welcome to Season 4 of One Day You'll Thank Me, a podcast for smart parents. I'm Dr. Tara Egan. And I'm Anna. I'm a mom, a therapist, a parent coach, and an author. And I'm a daughter and a kick-ass high school student. Each week, we'll discuss a different parenting topic. And we'll interview some amazing guest experts. Our goal is to provide an interesting informational resource for busy parents. While also offering the perspective of a teen. Stay tuned, everyone. Boom. Hello, welcome back to One Day You'll Thank Me. My name is Dr. Tara Egan. And I'm Anna. And we are here for a solo episode. I'm going to tell you this up front. We are not going to do this topic justice. We're probably going to listen to this podcast episode in like a year and be like, whoa, what are we talking about? We're so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) We're so incompetent. That's not the self-talk I did. I will say something like, Wow, we were just in the beginning stages of learning about that concept. So mm. give ourselves a break and keep being a learner. Okay. It's a lot more positive than mine. <laughs> yeah. like, you're dumb. You're stupid. You're you don't know how to do anything. You're bigger. <laughs> no, I'm trying to roll on a positive self talk, and I don't want to shy away from topics on our podcast because we're not like an expert in it every minute all the time. Yeah. So it's called Google for a reason. That's true. (laughs) But I have to say, just to defend myself a bit, I read a whole bunch of stuff on this, several articles, and I found some reference points where this topic had been discussed in various forms throughout the last probably 10, 15 years. And so that made me feel a little bit more prepared. So today, are you ready? Yes. We're talking about weaponized incompetence. Have you heard yes. that term? Did you hear it before we started studying it? No, I know incompetence, but I don't know weaponized. Well, I mean, I know them separately, but not together. <laughs> you're like, I have a lot of weapons. Yeah. And sometimes I'm incompetent. So <laughs> what you're telling me it's when you don't know how to use guns appropriately. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not what it is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So weaponized incompetence. It's also called strategic incompetence. And it was a term that was first coined in 2007. And it was from a Wall Street Journal article that was called The Art of Showing Pure Incompetence and an Unwanted Task. And so basically, weaponized incompetence is the phenomenon of shirking or getting out of unpleasant tasks by pretending not to be able to do them. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what that might look like from your view. I think it's just doing a task poorly so that your spouse or somebody else will do it for you. Just kind of being lazy and not doing your part. Yeah. Not pulling your weight. Yeah. Basically in another description, it said strategic incompetence isn't about having a strategy that fails, but a failure that succeeds. It almost always works to deflect work one doesn't want to do without ever having to admit it. So like in the work environment, they talked about like if you're more of a junior staffer, it's a way of attaining power through powerlessness. So Mm -hmm. like, well, I'm not going to actually take on more responsibilities because I can't do that. I need you, the big boss, to do it. Mm -hmm. But it can also be used by managers because they might pretend to be incapable of lowly tasks. So like... That's too low of a task for me yeah, to do because like, I'm well, so high up. Like, I don't know how to clean the ice cream machine at work because I'm the executive. And, like, I haven't had to do this for so long. So you absolutely have to do it. Oh, got it. So, like, your stepdad who runs restaurants, 
Like he, I think my understanding as a point of pride for him is to always feel like he can knows how to do everybody's job. Like that he is not so big in his britches that he doesn't know how to reassemble a certain machine they use to cook a certain product or doesn't understand what all the chemicals are that are used to clean a restaurant. Like he wants to know all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so he's definitely will jump in and help doing tasks that would be traditionally delegated to lower paid people within the company. But at the same time, he recognizes he can't do that all the time because he doesn't need to be the highest paid toilet cleaner in all of his company. Like that's not a good use of resources either. Yeah. So weaponized incompetence, as I'm learning more about it, it's really viewed as a tactic used by men, like in heterosexual relationships. Sometimes it's consciously used, sometimes not to avoid equitable division of family work. Basically these heterosexual men, when they don't want to do something, they'll do a shitty job. So no one asks them to do it again. And then women feel like they have no other choice but just to do it themselves. Mm, I hate that feeling. So you felt it. Yeah. Tell us about it. (laughs) Tell us about it. Well, it's because of your son. Okay. So you feel like he uses weaponized incompetence? Yeah. He just, he acts all ignorant and like, I don't know how to, I thought the pan with holes wouldn't let water out of it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh no, I can't make mac and cheese. You have to do it. Yeah. I have, so, um, that's a real pain in the ass. I have weaponized incompetence when it comes to using the remote control. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I that's always, not even geared towards Pete. That's geared to anyone. No, I know. I expect everyone to turn on the TV to make it work, to get to the right thing. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, I don't actually watch that much TV where I initiate it. I kind of tend to come in the room. It's already on. It's or- already on. Maybe if somebody's holding the remote, I'll be like, hey, can you turn it to the news or whatever? Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to, like, go up to your room while you're working on homework and be like, can you come down and turn on the TV? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. But I completely am a very capable, intelligent person and could use the remote should I decide to put effort into learning how to do it. But if I act helpless enough, everybody else does it for me. Yeah. It reminds me of, I remember that 70s show. I'm currently watching that, so I've probably read it a few times. But. Eric and Donna, spoiler alert, they're getting married and Donna's like doing wedding planning or wedding shopping or whatever. And there was some kind of like China or picking out something. And Eric purposely chose something ugly so that Donna would be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'll just do it. And then he got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And she caught him and it, it was funny and blah, blah, blah. But example. Yeah. Well, and I see it a lot of times where a spouse will ask a hundred questions about how it's done. They'll make sure they don't really learn how to do a domestic task well. I was looking on the internet at, I like to read like those funny tweets about a particular topic. It'll be like 15 tweets about how cute your dog is, stuff like that. But they had one that was on people kind of doing dumb things or whatever. And the tweet said that the dad was handed the shopping list by the mom and he looked at the list and said, I think this is a five caller, meaning he was going to call home five times to clarify what was on the list. And like, it was just, a, and it was like, oh, dad, it's a five caller. Like I would be infuriated if every time 
I sent my spouse to the store, they had to call me to ask. Obviously, certain things are going to happen on occasion. Yeah. But like you're going to the grocery store, we tend to buy the same sort of things at the yeah. store all the time. <laughs> so like working out. Yeah. So five calls. Jeez. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff on the internet about dads dressing their kids inappropriately. Yeah. So it's like, well, dad sent baby into daycare with her little jumper on backwards or without putting a onesie on underneath it. So her whole like top part is like naked, ascending with two different shoes on. Not a matching bow with their crazy outfit. Well, stripes and polka dots. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, it's not incompetent to dress your kid in a pink outfit and put them in a blue bow. That's not incompetent. No, that's true. So it might not be a preference or it might be like, oh, that's kind of dad, maybe just not noticing a detail, which is fine. Yeah. But to sit there and be like, okay, well, I'm in charge of getting the kid to daycare and the daycare calls the mom at work and says, your husband didn't bring in the diaper bag. Mm. So we don't have baby's lovey, their pacifier, enough clean diapers, whatever it is. So now that's different than wearing an ugly hair bow. That's, that's like, she's going to leave work to clean up his mess. Yeah. And so tomorrow I'll just take her myself. Hmm. So, and it's not just a matter of like the time, it's the mental energy it takes. Like, Sometimes your your stepdad is always in charge of cooking. Like he he enjoys it. Everything he makes is delicious. Yeah. Every once in a while he'll call me and he'll say, "What do you want for dinner?" And I was like, "I don't have the mental energy." Like that's I've I've had twelve hour day and I've dealt with all these things. Like there's never a time where he's going to cook something and I'm going to be ungrateful. So mm-hmm. he's not asking me because he's worried that I'm not going to be accepting or appreciative of what he does. I do think he just wants my opinion. Yeah. But like, I don't have the mental energy for it. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell him like, oh, I just want to not have to decide. Like, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, all right. And then he picks and we we go on. But so many, and recently we started getting those meals. Like, I think it's called HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. I should probably put a, like a discount code or something in the show notes. But one of the biggest benefits of it is it takes away the mental load of planning dinner. Yeah, and they're so good. They are so good. But like you get whatever, we usually get four dinners. And like the biggest decision is like, what pretty picture do you want to point to? And that's the one Pete's going to make tonight. So like the mental load of having to think about like, okay, what are we having? Who's going to be there? What do we have to go to the store to get stuff? Mm -hmm. Or do we have all the ingredients? Exactly. So all of that is removed. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was a really solid choice for us to take away that task. So I wanted to know that the term weaponized incompetence is a term that's on TikTok and it's trending with over like almost, I think it's almost 6 million views because it's something that's so common in relationships. So I watched a bunch of them as we were preparing for, and some of them were very frustrating to see like one woman said, I asked my husband to take care of the baby while I took a shower. And then she, you know, pans the camera over and he's sleeping on the couch and the baby who's maybe seven months old is just like in the little space between like his belly and the back of the couch. Like the baby wasn't like, I mean, technically it was safe, but he wasn't watching the baby. He was just like housing it in this little spot on the couch while his partner was showering. 
And so he wasn't offering her food or engaging her or changing her diaper or doing anything. Like all he was doing was literally keeping her within arm's reach. And that was his idea of watching the baby while she showered. So obviously that's not a relaxing shower. He's just literally like, I'm going to pause caring for this baby. Well, he's napping. It's not even like he's like physically watching her. No. So, and video after video showed those types of things. Like one video was um, mom had gone to work. Dad was in charge of the kids and he had said he was going to tidy up. It was like a Saturday. So she pans the camera over. It looked like the house had been burglarized by a blind artist. Like there was like paint literally on the walls, like dripping, like the sink was like, was full of like, I don't know, like dirty water looked like like the bathtub still had water in it. And it was like, honestly, it looked like, like cereal was floating in it. I mean, it was, wasn't a situation where he got caught up in an art project with the kids or hadn't quite gotten the dishes into the dishwasher. The house was a shambles. So she had worked her day and was coming home to that. And he babysat the kids. So what a hero. Mm. And it's just really frustrating to watch some of those videos. And I, my heart goes out to the people who posted them, because if you felt inspired to post it, like this is something that's really on your mind. This type of interaction, I mean, we talk about it like on TikTok and stuff in terms of the heterosexual male and within his relationship with his partner. But it is something that we see in the workplace in various family structures, in friendships, when it might be like the coworker who half-asses their cleanup kitchen duty or complains that they don't know what goes in the recycling. You might have a friend who never makes the reservations at the restaurant when you go out or completely relies on you to manage the directions and the driving and arranging who's going to be the uh, designated driver or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And like They're just kind of a, playing a passive sort of helpless role in the relationship. And so... Then it brings to the forefront, like, well, what about the kids who are seeing this within the overall family dynamic? Mm, Yeah. I mean, it basically shows kids that only one of the parents is trustworthy and reliable. Or that, like, guys can get away with stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not great role modeling for kids in that if your daughter sees this from her dad, is she going to grow up and be that? person in the partnership who's giving, 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 giving. Or if your son is seeing it, are you sending him a message that like, it's okay to not do everything and not help your spouse and, or that boys can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, we can't do it. And somebody pointed out like women don't have like this genetic propensity to clean. Society tells us that these things matter. Society Mm -hmm. tells us that we're good at it. Society reinforces it by having our parents have the daughter clean up the kitchen after dinner while the son walks the dog or whatever it is. And so they talk about the difference between labor being gendered. So if certain tasks are designated because you're a girl and like, so therefore somehow you're magically better at it, Mm. then it's pretty easy to keep going with that pattern. And as women, I think there's times when we take over a task because it just seems like somebody else can't get it right. And you mentioned this earlier today. Yeah, I have that feeling. But I mean, it's not even necessarily just to guys. It's like to anyone. Just because you're Especially you cooking. I mean, you're going to do it wrong. 
Well, so like the other night, Pete was coming home late. He had a really long day. And I was like, let's start making the HelloFresh meal. (laughs) So. That was really good. It was a really good meal. It was a really good one. But remember how, so I'm just going to apologize, honey. I'm sorry for this. I did feel guilty about it later. Mm -hmm. So Anna and I started working on the meal. And I just followed your directions. I was like, what should I do? And you were like, you should cut up the celery or whatever. And then you like directed me to do it better because I wasn't doing a good enough job. (laughs) So I did that. And then like, whatever, we did several of the steps. And then Pete came home and he comes sniffing around like, oh, what are you doing? And I don't think he meant for us to stop. No. Within seven minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. We had just sat on the couch and he could, yeah, and he just kept going. Yeah. And so, so he had, I mean, we had done part of the meal, but like, we chopped we up weren't vegetables. exactly heroes <laughs> no. in the situation. And so then he finished the meal. Mm-hmm. And so it was a situation where, like, what? You do it better. And like, it's somehow easier for you. But mm-hmm. I mean, we, and you, I, I, I know for me, I felt like very put upon to make dinner because I haven't made dinner in like three years or something. <laughs> so it felt like a really big task. Yeah. Whereas for him, it is part of his second shift. Mm -hmm. So that's a term I want to define. So second shift is a term that is usually, it usually speaks to the continuation of the woman's workday after she's worked a full workday. So she goes to her job all day. And when she comes home, she's not done. Now she's on her second shift, which is managing the house, prepping dinner, running the errands, helping the kids with homework whatever it is, tidying up, taking care of the pets, whatever it is. Whereas oftentimes men work that first shift, but then they're sort of done. Or if they do participate in evening activities, it's at the direction. So I've had a lot of times, and Pete and I had this in the very beginning of our relationship where he was like, I will literally do anything you ask. And I was like, oh, but I don't want to ask you. I want us to have a conversation about what are the things that need to be done in our home. Mm -hmm. Make sure we're real clear on it. And then I want us to do them. And I don't want to have to point out to you that like laundry hasn't been done in six days or that the kitchen floor needs to be swept. Like we both have eyes. We can see that the kitchen floor needs, you shouldn't need me to point it out and like put it on a magical list before you feel called to take action. So, and he had heard that like loud and clear. Yeah. Um, And so now we, I mean, we will sometimes do a point person like, I've had a lot of busy work this week. And I was like, we have to buy our plane tickets for Christmas break. Like, can you put it on your list? Like by the end of the weekend, you can get those plane tickets. And he was like, yep. But and like, that's an unusual thing. He wouldn't be able to like know to do it every day. No, know? absolutely. And like only one of us can do it. It's not something we can both do. Yeah. So like, and he was just like, absolutely. And I had actually told him like I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. So then I was just like, oh my goodness, my time has gotten away. We don't want to wait any longer do you think you could handle it? And he's like, yep. And that was it. Like we just communicated about it. It wasn't like, there's was no resentment. There was no, mm-hmm. so I feel like we do a good job with division of labor in that way. Yeah. So, but people have to unlearn. They have to actively decide to, to go against what has always been the norm. So what was that? Is it Instagram post you saw that was related? Yeah, it was like a quote. Yeah, read read it. it. What does it say? It says, society started referring to moms as superheroes because it was easier to sit back and let us do everything while making it seem like a compliment rather than taking things off our plates or actually stepping up and helping us. Yeah, that's true. Is instead of just saying like, this is bullshit, 
that you're doing 40% more domestic tasks than your partner. Yeah. We're like, let's call them superheroes. And then it's glorified. Yeah. Which, they're giving a compliment and it's okay that they yeah. do all this work. Yeah. These queens, look at them. They're rocking it. Like, no. And I, I had somebody, I don't know if it was on an interview or something recently, and they were talking about these men who will go and they will be these powerful men. They will go in and they'll be running a business. They'll be managing a hundred employees. They'll be dealing with millions of dollars in revenue for a company, but then somehow they can't manage to put their kid in the correct clothing for water day at daycare. Mm -hmm. And the person who was talking, and I apologize for not knowing who it was, but it really spoke to me of like, there is no way that this is a situation where a guy can't do it. Yeah, He just doesn't want to, and he kind of doesn't have to, because Mm -hmm. somebody's going to come along and bring the bathing suit for water day, or his wife's going to lay out the the already packed diaper bag. Or if he does do it wrong, the teacher's going to have a spare bathing suit set aside that that kid could wear. And like, he just kind of doesn't need to, but don't tell me that you can do all the things you do at work so successfully and competently. And you feel empowered by doing those things, but remembering to pick up the things you need for your kids' lunches is somehow outside of your grasp. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking about Dylan, your brother and making sure you know, that we don't get in the habit with him. Because not only is he a boy, but he's also younger. Mm -hmm. And so, and I just think like, he's super into basketball and he like learns all these strategies and knows all these stats and he does all this studying and he interacts with coaches and he's talked about what he wants to do moving forward as far as whether or not it's a possibility for him to play in college. He's got this book on his nightstand he's been reading. And I'm like, I feel like you can remember to scoop the litter this many times a week or remember to bring your water bottle or whatever. And so it just makes me recognize, like, I don't want to treat him like he's incompetent. Yeah. Oh, and a side note that I want to say is sometimes when men and women are married and they get into this role, right? Then they split up, they get divorced and mom thinks dad is a doofus because you couldn't do any of the mainstream domestic tasks, but dad being a generally competent person feels like, well, now that we're split up, I totally can do 50% of parenting. So they want 50% custody. They want to be treated with the same degree of respect that mom is. And they want to have the same sort of decision-making power that mom has. But in reality, they haven't done anything. They've been weaponizing incompetence potentially for years. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden they're completely confused by the fact that mom feels like they have no idea what to do with the kids. So mom's worrying about their nutrition. Do you even know where their insurance card is? Do you know the name of the teacher? Do you know how to help them with their homework? Do you know what she needs to bring to dance? Like, and dads are like so offended and they call the mom controlling Mm -hmm. and she's mentally ill and she's alienating my kids and stuff like that. And so I have to kind of support both of them realizing like, dad, you got a learning curve here. Mm -hmm. Like I completely hundred percent agree. You are competent enough to do this. But you actually have a dearth of knowledge about this. Yeah. And then with mom, I can understand their perspective and how they now they're being separated from their kid. And which is very scary. Mm -hmm. They've been the primary caretaker all this time. And suddenly they're just supposed to be like, all right, cool. You've got this for at least 50 percent of the time. Yeah. That goes both ways. Absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking of like we just watched the episode of Modern Family where Luke was like. He only has one fun parent and because, like, Phil and then 
at the moment in the show, Claire is a stay-at-home mom, and so she's doing all like the baking for the cooks it for the baking for the bake sale and finishing homework with the kids and getting them on time to soccer practice and all that kind of stuff. And so like Luke was like, You're not fun, mom, but really like she's fine. She just has to do all the responsibilities while Phil not that he's 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 a great dad, and I'm not saying oh, that. Yeah. But like they have different he's obligations. Not the one who does the things and she is the one who's pressuring them to get their math grade up and make sure they say please and thank you mm-hmm. and clean up the mess in their room. And he's like, let's invent some robot in the garage and then like drive around the backyard. Yeah. And like, he's a great involved dad. He loves them. He teaches them great messages, but Claire is a primary. She's got the mental load in that family. Yeah. He doesn't really present as being incompetent. Like, oh, I can't possibly make dinner. No, because if she asked him to do it, he would do it. Right. But she also, once again, that's thing, that thing mm-hmm. of like, well, if you put it on my list, then I'll do it. But like mm, every year we put Christmas lights up the beginning of December. Like, why do I need to ask you? Why don't you just be like, oh, it's that time of year to get out the Christmas lights and then go do it. Yeah. Like, why do you need to be invited to participate in our household? Yeah. So I wanted to bring up this book that I did a lot of like scanning through and it's a book called Fair Play and it's written by Eve Rodsky. And she talks about like a systemic approach to creating gender equity within the household. And one of her primary ways is to make the invisible jobs visible. There's so much stuff that women will take care of that is just not even on the man's radar. Like I was telling you, like, Pete has never once had to worry that we're not going to have toilet paper in all the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Like it just happens. Like I have a mental place. I have a little spot in my brain that monitors the number of toilet paper rolls in each bathroom. And one is getting too low. I like automatically know to go and put more toilet paper rolls. You know, Christmas to him kind of magically occurs. Like I have the lists. I check with the kids, what everybody wants. I order things. I wrap them. I keep the Christmas lists kind of generally equal amongst each kid, like whatever it is. And it's just something I take care of. It's just kind of invisible. So it's called, she calls it invisible work. And in her book, when I was reading the reviews, there was a lot of criticism because they felt like she was too negative. And I honestly think that could be something that listeners right now might be thinking is like, gosh, she's, you know, saying all these like, and I say this word in quotes, dumb things that men do. And like, she sounds fed up and negative about it. And this author was sort of criticized for it too, but she had so many examples. Like she told this amazing example where she and a group of of friends, like maybe it was three other women were participating in like a breast cancer walk or something like that. And then they were going to go to breakfast. So that was going to be their activity. So during the breast cancer walk, all of them got so many texts from their partners dealing with managing the kids at home that they actually decided not to go to breakfast because it was too hard. Like it was harder to go to breakfast than it was to just go home and like take over the task from the husband. Jeez. And it's the thing is, is like, I can relate to that. Like just looking at relationships like between my parents or friends that I know and things like that. Like I see how that happens all the time. So we talked about mental load, which is the never ending mental to-do list that you keep for all your family tasks. And it creates stress and fatigue and sometimes forgetfulness. We talked about invisible work, which is the behind the scenes stuff that keeps a home and family running smoothly, although it's hardly noticed and it's rarely valued. Emotional labor is this is where it's like 
the type of work that results in maintaining relationships or managing emotions, like calling your in-laws, sending thank you notes, buying teacher gifts, soothing meltdowns in kids. So this is like probably one of the more exhausting types of labor that mothers or women have to do. That kind of middle of the night comfort. There's a lot of dad, moms who will say, well, my husband just doesn't wake up when the baby cries. And I'm just like, mm, no, they know you're going to wake up. Like, I do know that there's different physiological aspects of brains when you've had a baby and all that. I, I do understand there's some science behind it. But, you know, like your kid's four and your kid's screaming. If your brain can't wake up, but you can wake up on time for work every morning or what time the football game is. Yeah, you know what time. <laughs> or, or, you know, when you work out after work that this is about a 45 minute run without constantly checking your watch or turning on alarm. Like you can hear your four-year-old screaming Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night because they're scared or they peed the bed or whatever. Yeah. So that's just somebody who just doesn't value that and doesn't think it's important enough to learn the strategies to wake up the brain. We talked about second shift. We talked about Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play. She's not a therapist. She is a businesswoman. And I usually avoid promoting like self-help books that are not written by mental health clinicians. But I did want to mention it just because she really does a great job describing examples of what that is. Mm -hmm. And she's developed sort of a making the invisible tasks visible in making sure your partner really understands all of the tasks that happen in a given day, week or month or year that keeps the house running and to really kind of force him to open his eyes and recognize the work that needs to be done and actively make a choice to be a participant. Mm-hmm. And I think men are you know, so much more open to that. Nobody wants to be the deadbeat dad. Nobody wants to be the loser husband who like sits and drinks beer and watches football and his, his wife thinks he's a loser or useless or incompetent. Yeah. So, but I think we're in the process of kind of changing our culture around this topic. But I think if we don't define it and we don't recognize when it's happening, it's not going to change. Yeah. I remember yeah, just yesterday I was talking with my friends about this. They were like, if you were married to your husband and they told you to stay home, like, would you like stand up for yourself or would you just kind of go with it? And I was like, I wouldn't marry someone who thought that way. What do you mean stay home? Like, like not have a career or stay yeah, home? Okay. Like yeah. not have a career or like take care of the kids or, you know, just mm-hmm. do woman things. Yeah. And I would kind of was just like, they were like, no, like I would never do that. Or it would be different if like the kids really needed help and I made that decision. And I was just like, I wouldn't marry someone who thought that way. I mean, 2021, like. Well, and some women feel really passionate about that choice to stay home. Well, absolutely. And that's their decision. Yeah. But like if your husband is deciding for you. Yeah. Like that's not cool. When I met your stepdad, he's Greek. His ethnicity is Greek and he grew up in a lot of Greek culture. And so his partners in the past have been not as career focused, maybe not had as much of an advanced education and things. And so when we first met and he was, we were sharing stuff about each other and he was sort of conveying some of those things in his past. And I was like, Ooh, and I said to him like, Oh, I don't know that this is going to work out. Like I'm just not that woman. Like, Mm -hmm. and he was like, oh, oh, no, I'm not looking for that. Yeah. And so, and he has proved that every day. He's very proud of the work I do. There's definitely been times when he's kind of stepped back from some of his, not opportunities necessarily, but like 
he'll be the one. Well, he recognizes what, that you have a life and you have an amazing career and that you have shit to do too. Yeah. But I mean, there's times when I'm busier than others, like when I'm writing a book. Yeah. Like he picks up all the slack mm-hmm. and stuff. And so it's just, I, I always call him a service-oriented husband. Like he's just, he shows you he loves you by acts of acts of service yeah making dinner following through with something he said he would do taking something off your plate which is my love language for sure but we did have a moment there was like ooh, like he's (laughs) expecting like that old-fashioned traditional woman who takes care of him and yeah does laundry because i enjoy laundry and because he makes dinner thing to do yeah like it's equal yeah it is it is so i got to reinvent my domestic life when I remarried. Yeah. I got to have a do-over. Nice. So, all right. We talked a lot. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. So once again, I want to acknowledge, like, this is probably just the tip of the iceberg on this topic. And we might not have the most, like, I think there's a lot of research to be done in this area. Yeah, we don't have the most advanced knowledge. Yeah, and it probably, like, a few months from now or a couple of years from now, we'll be like, oh, look how dumb we were to <laughs> have all these opinions about that. And now there's research that tells us this or that or that. And so mm-hmm. we reserve the right to modify our perspective based on new information as it evolves. Yeah. But thank you all for listening. And if this, if you relate to this topic, let us know because it's really important. Absolutely. All right. Stay tuned, everyone. New episodes every Wednesday. Stay tuned. Love you, Mom. Love you too, sweetie.